energy today here with Ilaria Conti. I have the pleasure to have Andres Peebald uh, sitting here in front of me. As you know, Andres has been commissioner of the European Commission for several years, two oh, mandates. Nearly 10 years. Ten, More nearly 10 years. years. Wow. Nearly 10 years. <laughs> and uh, what we would like to discuss with uh, Andres today is uh, an important issue, very topical one, which is security of gas supply. So, Andris, um, security of gas supply, as we know, has been uh, an important, very important topic in the European agenda for a few years now. Um, we know about the uh, risks connected to not having enough security and enough supply. So, um, why is this issue becoming always topical, especially towards the beginning of the winter? And uh, who should we uh, ask for more security? Well, uh, uh, the, the issue with gas is uh, uh, really something that uh, came to agenda of gas security of supply, more or less officially in 2006, with interruption of gas supply. It has been short term, but 2009 has been longer term. Uh, 2014, the winter was uh, not very cold, but there have been uh, gas stress states made and discovered that if there is interruption of supply, for the protecting consumers, basically for households, there is a big problem. And um, uh, we know with going in more fight against climate change, gas is very good energy commodity. So in a way, uh, uh, gas role in the EU is growing importance of gas. At the same time, there are some supply issues that makes um, this topic geopolitical, uh, that makes this topic, uh, well, also emotional and uh, because of all this complexity, uh, it's, um, it's also a very interesting topic. Uh, the answer is, in ideal case, would be, well, liquidity in market and it will do the trick. Well, with gas it's more complicated because or you have a uh, pipeline supply or even LNG supply, it takes time to deliver and it is sensitive to whatever geopolitical events in the world happen. So, so that's why I believe the gas will stay as a geopolitical and also an energy topic in the European Union for some time. And now to the question, who are responsible for it? Well, if we, and I think it is all 28 member countries, are ready to use gas, some less, some more, then the question is definitely it's governments that are responsible that gas supply is safe. But as we are, uh, have agreed on common energy market, I believe that particular role is for European institutions, I mean European Commission, uh, European Council and also European Parliament. So to create conditions that uh, we try to regard gas as a very, very sensitive commodity. Absolutely. We identified the elements which are really uh, strictly linked to security of gas supply. You mentioned geopolitics, you mentioned emotions as well, which are always important, as we know. Um, yes, while uh, we uh, hope that uh, the market conditions are created for, uh, to, to um, allow Europe to, have, uh, to be more and more independent, to uh, um, really uh, build on the resources that, uh, that we have internally, 
you also said that, yes, in the meantime, we also have other external suppliers that we have to uh, ask for uh, uh, security that we have to deal with. Um, concerning this, uh, we have long-term contracts already in place and it seems from recent statistics that they are far from becoming a, a residual instrument. So it seems that long-term contracts are still signed and uh, some have been uh, renewed, etc. So um, how important do you think these uh, long-term contracts, the existing ones and the new ones which will be signed, uh, will have, uh, to what extent do you think they will have an impact on, uh, on security of supply? Well, it it's makes an immense impact and you could argue both ways uh, because long-term contracts from the, I would say, the ones that will defend it would say it is also security of demand because for producers you need to invest a lot and to provide the markets uh, with the gas supply demanded. Uh, in a way, you can argue today that, well, do we really need uh, long-term contracts because uh, um, uh, there is by far more suppliers to the market today and some of these investments have been done on the anticipation of the use of the gas, not because of long-term contracts. I would mention shell gas revolution in the United States, some investments in Australia. So the nature of the market is changing. But still, you could argue that long-term contracts could be a good instrument because it provides more guarantees for for, uh, for uh, supplier uh, and it could be also good for the companies that sell the gas to the markets because they, they have anticipation what the price could be, what factors influence. So, in a way, for consumer, uh, it could be some beneficial. So, saying said this, I would, would argue that long-term contracts should not be excluded per se, because they, they definitely merit um, positive consideration. But there are two challenges that is very particular for the EU with long-term contracts. One is uh, general transparency of it, because uh, today, and being even the Commission for 10 years, I have never seen long-term gas contracts in my proper eyes. And it shouldn't be a big secret, because if we would like really to have provide the best prices for consumer, the transparency is something that helps for the prices. Now, yes, you would argue that markets get more volatile, but they do get more information. But if they have a lot of information, actually the volatility should be less, because then the rumors do not play less. So that's yeah. why I would say the transparency, maximum transparency, is good for consumers because at the end of the day we speak about consumers uh, they are less nervous because there will not be disruption of supply they know what factors influence the price so i think beneficials are for everybody for producer consumer and the companies involved so i think that i would take completely away but there is another challenge particularly with the eu because it's normally national champions that sign held long-term gas contracts with a supplier. Mostly it is Gazprom and there is a lot of political suspicion beyond uh, are the contracts fair. Now, for example, DG Competition is looking on some old contracts. Uh, there have been some destination clauses that seem to have been, um, well, incorrect and there is a question about pricing. And uh, sometimes people ask how it could be that in Latvia gas of price is higher than in Germany because it's further away. So it's a lot of 
questions about long-term contracts are they according to the EU legislation. Mm-hmm. And you can argue, well, if somebody has later to complain, then competition authorities come in, but the damage is already done. Yes. So that makes it too late. <laughs> yeah, you need to pay fines and yep. you make a creative political. So it's, it's, it's in, too late in the time. Mm-hmm. So that's why for me it would be quite logical that the contracts before being signed are seen as a confirmed to the, to the EU legislation. Nothing else. You would say, well, again, it's, uh, it's bureaucracy. But well, is this bureaucracy such a burden? Because if the contract is not accordingly to the law, you need to go to arbitrage. How much money does it cost for consumers yes. uh, to change? And now we know that a lot of companies have these litigation cages with Gazprom where they try to get the best price out of it. And, and I would say, well, it's legally correct. But at the end of the day, consumer pays for it. Nobody yeah. else. That's very clear who is uh, keeping this. But I think it's also irritation between the companies because you, you lose resources uh, on these cases. Then uh, when you make a one agreement with one company, then the other one would like exactly the same. So it's, it creates a wave that is completely unnecessary. And in EU, one issue that we have not sorted with energy management is suspicion that my neighbor is getting better deals than I am having. And that's why I would say objective view on the contract that's being proposed uh, would be good by national regulator and definitely there should be a European dimension it with opinion from the Commission or ASA. But it's, it's in my opinion quite logical that we should go to this step. If not, gas market will stay volatile and politically explosive. And I think that's what we try to avoid with uh, this uh, this uh, new approach of energy unions that try to make it uh, boring, normal markets that well market forces are working but no one is worried that there will be cut of gas supply or the spike of gas price will be that I could not uh, well uh, heat my house during the winter time. So I think these are the issues that are very much related to long-term contracts. And there is one particularity, it's also influence our relationship with Russia. Because today we have a lot of long-term contracts, there is take-or-pay clauses, they have been, I think, 85%, now it's moving to 70%, but they are decreasing with the time. But some new are being starting to be negotiated. And I believe that give well, some clear guidance how to look on long-term contracts would be very, very helpful in our relationships with Russia, because it's predictability that I think both sides are looking, and it would be bad that at some stage we would say we would need some, well, particular treatment. And I believe that would not be helpful. And it is, I think, politically right time to look now in long-term contracts because a lot of them are there. Uh, it seems that Russia would like to continue with long-term contracts, so fair enough. But I think we would need now to give the guidance what will be transparency regime and what will be regularity, uh, well, attitude towards long-term contract and it should be union-wide approach. So I believe it's the right time uh, and it will help consumers but it will also help in some of our tense geopolitical relations. Do you think that Europe should follow the so-called American route? As you know in the US uh, all 
all contracts or long-term contracts are, uh, are made available for the public. So they are just published and anyone can access and, uh, and read them. Do you think Europe should, should uh, uh, be inspired by this, uh, by this uh, model? Uh, do you see a solution or not? Well, it's always difficult to follow in somebody's footsteps. Everybody would like to be in his own footsteps or as a, as a pioneer. But, but I think it's good examples. That is one example where transparency does not harm. Another one that comes from the issues with our with, uh, developing countries. Some time ago there have been arguments that companies do not make clear enough the money they make for the concrete projects in concrete poor countries that made for loss of life because people have came in the streets expecting more money, etc. And then there was discussion, let's publish profits project by project. And at the beginning from companies there have been outcry. It's impossible because then Chinese will take over our contracts, etc. because they will know they have not that. And was comparisons that saying, well, if no, not everybody follows the rule, then we are destroyed. And I think that will be used also inside the EU saying, well, you see, we publish, but Russians will not publish, or whatever it is. But, but it's our internal market, and I believe from the experience, and, and, and coming short on this uh, um, uh, mining industry. So, at the end, of the, everybody agreed that uh, legislation has been adopted and is now implemented, and I don't see that our investments in Africa because of this has suffered. So I believe that we should go on complete transparency route because I don't see any damage done. Maximum transparency, as I argued before, is, is only positive. And, and if people say, well, you would have been overwhelmed with information, well, is there a market analysis, a specialist that will read it? And I think it's, it's positive. I will give another example that sometimes in from another area. In Latvia, they published the studies of all the civil servants. At the beginning was outcry saying, well, you know, neighbors will be jealous, etc. Well, most of the people don't put any attention to it, but the ones that are interested, they could see, and it hasn't made neither state service less popular, neither create any problem, uh, any conflict. And I would agree in this particular area, you can argue both ways, should you publish or shouldn't you publish. Mm -hmm. I would say, well, I would perhaps would say for not publishing, but experience is quite opposite. So it hasn't done any harm and it increased only, well, trust in public service because people see that, well, the civil service doesn't like get, the, yeah. they are not overpaid. So it's quite opposite what mm -hmm. happened uh, uh, that some critics expected. So I believe that um, transparency is always uh, positive and the arguments that somebody else do not disclose actually do not help because then you can never come to transparency and for market is the best way is transparency. So American experience is definitely worth to be studied and it shouldn't can't be exactly replicated because the markets are slightly different but uh, the essence of it is definitely positive. Fantastic. Thank you very much for uh, these uh, important and interesting reflections and uh, thank you very much. We hope to have you soon again at our microphones. Thanks, yes, Andres. Thank you very much. <laughs>